groundbreaking Asian Americans like Vera Wang and 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 Joan Shingang. I'm going to pronounce my Shanga Koawa. I think I pronounced it correctly. Rubin Report. I'm Dave Rubin. I think I pronounced that correctly. It's May 16th, 2023. We're live streaming on Rumble YouTube and locals. Share, subscribe, tap that notification bell if you have not. If you want to join us for the post-game show, which we do every day after the show, rubinreport.locals.com. And I have to say, this is day two being back in studio after our international trip. Yesterday, I was kind of shaking off some of the rust. I realized at the end of the show that I wasn't particularly funny yesterday. And I know it's very important that you people tune into the news and laugh about it because everyone's completely bananas. And today I will be easing into more comedy and the old Dave that you've come to lo- uh, know and love. Uh, that's what we will be uh, getting to today. Uh, the theme of the show, because you know I did this international trip and I was really trying to focus on culture. What is right in some other places and contrast that with what is wrong in America right now. And we have a lot wrong with our culture, whether it's family, whether it's what's coming from our media and our educational institutions and not knowing what's true or false or boys or girls or any of those things. Uh, Also this obsession with race that we have. So uh, Phoenix found this clip yesterday. It's from about a year or so ago. Uh, of Oprah Winfrey. Now you remember Oprah. She had a big talk show for a couple decades in America. She often is now seen eating bread in a forest with some of her friends, but somehow not gaining weight. Remember that commercial? That was a thing. She was always in a forest at a very nice table. She would find this very fancy dining table with a chandelier in the forest. She'd eat bread with a bunch of other women who frankly looked a little overweight, but somehow they were never gaining weight. Anyway, She's also been in some movies and done some other things. Um, We found this video of her uh, commenting on fatherhood in the black community. And I thought it would be a nice way to frame the show today because so much of what's going on here, we always are arguing about politics, but it's not really about politics, right? It's It's about our cultural norms, our, what's going on with all of us spiritually, our families, our relationships with each other. And then politics is just a reflection of all of that screwiness. So I want to talk about sort of fatherhood, the importance of men in society, uh, and how that's related to why we end up not knowing if boys are girls and we have open borders and all sorts of stuff. So we're going to talk about nationalism. We're going to talk about strong men and a whole bunch more. I'm feeling quite strong today. I had my coffee. I ate a little toast to this morning. And before we get to all of that, let me talk to you about Phoenix Capital. You know, with banks collapsing and the turbulent state of the stock market, millions of Americans have watched their retirement savings disappear. I want to share with you a unique investment opportunity that's not only protecting retirement savings, but investors are seeing consistent yields and growth. Phoenix Capital Group is offering high-value U.S. oil and gas investments through their corporate bonds. It's a way for people to invest in energy assets and diversify their portfolio. Yields range from 8% to 12% APY, paid monthly with different qualifications and maturity dates. Phoenix Capital Group is a tech-led energy company owning in some of the most lucrative basins across America. Investor capital along with their own capital goes towards cash flow positive oil and gas projects 
projects. They had the choice of offering a significantly lower interest rate and paying the difference to middlemen, but decided to break the mold and bring stronger investments directly to investors. These eight to 12% APY corporate bonds are higher than CDs or annuities, often more than double the typical yield. So if you're looking for an alternative investment with sizable, sizable yields and monthly payment options, I highly recommend checking out Phoenix Capital Group's bond offerings. To learn more, download their free investor guide at phxonrubin.com. Let them know you heard it from me. And now back to me. All right, so let's start with Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey, as you know, big talk show host, been in a lot of movies, cultural force, started a TV network. Does the TV network still exist? Does own still exist? Nobody knows, doesn't matter. Anyway, you know Oprah. Uh, here is Oprah about a year and a half ago, uh, commenting on black fatherhood. And uh, well, it's a little bit different than some of the things you might be hearing about uh, from some of the people I often talk about on the show, say uh, Larry Elder, Thomas Sowell, et cetera, et cetera. Take a look. There's been this landmark study from the Center for Disease Control, which debunked many of the myths surrounding black fathers. It found that the majority of black fathers live with their children. Black fathers are more likely to help their children with their homework, prepare meals, bathe and dress their children compared to fathers of other races. So the absent or deadbeat black father myth that many in America believe is really more like a lie. Okay, so we're going to get into some of her confusions in just a moment. And some of the guys that I talked about, Larry Elder, Thomas Sowell, for example, we're going we're gonna to get your numbers on that. The reason I wanted to play this clip, and I don't really even mean to make this about black people specifically, there are some obvious things that we all know. If you have two parents in a house, if in that household there are strong role models, there are people who have a certain degree of responsibility and try to raise those kids fairly, we know this leads to success. So why she's trying to diminish that is a little bit confusing. She's also confused about the stats. And again, I'll get to the stats in just a second. Um, Oprah should want everybody, regardless of color. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be anyone. It shouldn't be in anyone's uh, wheelhouse. A, a certain pride that their race has more people in the home or anything else. It, we should want that for absolutely everybody. So let's uh, let's jump and get to some numbers here. This is from the Federalist. Uh, as the nation emerged from Jim Crow, 25% of black children were born to unwed mothers. Today, that statistic is 72%. So Oprah is confused about her stats there. 72% of black children are uh, born to unwed mothers. Instances of racism exist today, obviously, but you would be hard pressed to argue anti-black racism is worse now than in 1900 or 1964. So it's not just that Oprah's bizarre claim is completely inaccurate, but it's also damaging to the black community and to the nation at large uh, for the reasons that my friend Larry Elder laid out right here in one of his PragerU videos. As between the presence of white racism and the absence of black fathers, I asked him, which poses the bigger threat to the black community? Without missing a beat, he said, the absence of black fathers. It was President Barack Obama who said, we all know these statistics, that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. The Journal of Research on Adolescence confirms that even after controlling for varying levels of household income, kids in father-absent homes are more likely to end up in jail and kids who never had a father in the house are the most likely to wind up behind bars. 
Okay, so again, let's let's remove the race element for just a second and talk about the, the last part of what Larry's saying right there. If fathers are not in the home, if you don't have two parents in the home, you rapidly and exponentially increase the chance that that kid is gonna get involved in drugs and crime and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then when you do that for generations, what starts happening is the cultural rot that we have now, right? That, that sort of works its way up into everything. And then you have people who are angry because a certain set of people just go ahead and have couple parents and some kids and try to live a decent life. And they're thought of as TERFs or other scary names. Uh, Thomas Sowell, even well before Larry Elder, has been talking about this for decades, that the problem uh, within the black community, let's say, uh, is not about race. It's not about racism against them. It's actually about fatherlessness. And you'll find it interesting uh, when that all began. Take a look. Uh, you find that uh, married couple families were much more prevalent among blacks then than today. Most black kids grew up in homes with two parents under slavery itself and for generations thereafter. And as late as the 1960s, uh, most black children grew up in two-parent homes. When you think about it, I mean, uh, centuries of slavery and generations of Jim Crow did not destroy the black family. But one, one generation of the welfare state Ah, okay, so that's the part that I want to now link to the rest of the show. That throughout slavery, throughout Jim Crow, decades, generations, as he's saying, there were still more two-parent black homes than white homes, right? It wasn't until the welfare state, so now we're talking about the early 1970s, when basically the Democrats came in and they came in with affirmative action and they came in with all these handouts that suddenly the black community started to break down in the home. This is just a fact. There's nothing racist about talking, uh, racist by talking about that, right? Uh, but now we are seeing the results of those policies generations later. Uh, we're going to get to that in just a sec. Let me talk to you about Birch Gold Group real quick. Uh, you know, President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home, quote, our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be our greatest defeat in, frankly, 200 years. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar, inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there's one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and political and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times. Yeah, that's gold. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just visit birchgold.com Dave today for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the whole process. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Visit birchgold.com slash Dave to get your free info kit on gold. Birchgold.com slash Dave. And now back to me. Okay, so our whole country, everybody, guys, not just black people, need to realize that there is a crisis here, right? There is a crisis in the family. There is a crisis in fatherhood. There's a crisis in manhood. But with that said, why is it that black Americans are suddenly opposing things like illegal immigration? Because it hurts their communities even more because their communities are already 
banged up as is because of the welfare state that Thomas Sowell is talking about. So the reason I did all of that at the front was to get you to this part, because for the last two weeks or so in America, we have been dealing with the impending end of Title 42 and this absolute onslaught of our borders, right? And what's happening? The federal government is just letting tens of thousands of people. They are not the tired and the poor and the huddled masses. These are people who just want to get into America, right? And often they're bringing drugs and crime and a whole bunch more. They are rampaging through the border towns in Texas. They are going to sanctuary cities. Fortunately, I live in a place called the free state of Florida and we are shipping them out when they get here. Uh, but what is happening? They are going to these sanctuary cities like Chicago, where already they have a huge problem related to the economy and crime and shootings, right? Why do you never hear about the black shootings? Uh, because it's black on black crime, right? So if it was white people shooting black people, you'd hear about it. If it's black people shooting white people, you won't hear about it. If it's black people shooting black people, you're definitely not gonna hear about it. Chicago right now, because they're a sanctuary city and they're already struggling for the reasons we've just laid out, right? Generations post welfare state, uh, they're not too happy, the black residents of Chicago, uh, that they're about to get 250 to 500 illegals uh, being bust into their neighborhoods as we speak. Take a look. It's important is that we really establish that this is a humanitarian crisis and we're here. South Shore residents responded with resounding rejection. While this crisis may constitute an emergency for the city of Chicago, it does not constitute an emergency for the South Shore community. Incoming migrants have overwhelmed district police stations by the hundreds. It's my turn. It's my turn. Hello. But city leaders could barely eke out a word of the details about a proposed respite center at the former South Shore High School. When it comes to the total number of people at South Shore at any given point in time, it is fluid. We'd start with 250, 500. How could you do that without consulting us? I am concerned with safety in the area. Do you see what the Democrats once again are doing to black people? So just to reiterate, until the 1970s, after decades of slavery, generations, Jim Crow, et cetera, et cetera, as Thomas Hall said, it wasn't until the early 70s, the welfare state that the black family started crumbling. Then once it started crumbling, you get drugs in there, you get crime, you get people that are stuck in, in the projects over generation and generation because they're being given things by the government. So that breaks your incentive to get out. And now you flash forward another 50 years and what are the Democrats doing to the residents of Chicago in these black communities right now? The communities are already hurting and now they're saying, oh, we're gonna toss all of these immigrants in there, these illegal immigrants, and we're gonna give them stuff, right? And of course that will come at your expense and it'll bring more drugs into your community and more crime and a whole bunch more. Now, what's also interesting about that is imagine if it was just a different racial component, how the media would have reacted to that. Imagine if that had been a bunch of white people in the audience yelling that they don't want illegals there. Everybody would be calling them racist, right? They would, MSNBC would be playing that clip, CNN, The View. Everybody would be saying, look at all these white people. They don't want those brown people coming into their neighborhoods. In this case, it's black people that don't want the illegals coming to their neighborhood, so you're not gonna see that sort of thing uh, on MSNBC or CNN. And I'm certainly not blaming them for being racist. They don't want more illegal people who by definition are breaking the law to come to their communities. Uh, it continued, here's some uh, residents explaining why they do not want these people there, and it is their God-given right not to have them there because we're supposed to have a border. 
All these resources that have not come to us, now you want to overly compensate for people who never lived here before, and they need to be taken care of first and foremost before anything else happens here. Why would any leader put our black communities already riddled with crime at further risk by placing unvetted non-taxpayers steps away from our, our seniors, our children, and our homes we've worked so hard on our own to secure. We are at war, people. Our communities are at war. They are violating our communities, and we asking that we have, we across the country, and we asking and we're demanding for office of black America, or whatever you want to call it, to deal with issues like this. Uh, I did get placed on a wait list, but I was told that the immigrants were taking priority. No, See, that's a story that a lot of people don't know, and it just, it hurt me. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I understand we need to be humanitarian, but these people are, that my participants are third and fourth generation Chicagoan. Born, bred, fed, and raised here. My grandmother, Mayrella Carrington, rest in peace, always said, Craig, charity starts at home first and then it go abroad. Okay, again, I just want to reiterate the point. Imagine if any of the people that you just heard there were white people saying, we don't want them in our neighborhoods, this is a war and everything else. Everyone would be saying they're racist. Now, of course, these people are not racist, right? They want law and order in their communities. They want their public officials to take care of them before they take care of illegal people. So they're asking the, they're asking the very, very basics. There's a certain beauty to all of this because a whole bunch of these people are going to be red-pilled right now, right? Because these people probably voted for Democrats because they thought, oh, Democrats are giving us more stuff. That's generally how it works. That's what the Democrats have. Oh, we will have more stuff. We'll take from some people and give to us. Uh, that's how it works with the Democrats. But now these people are realizing, oh, the Democrats actually don't care about us either. They have to find new constituencies and their new constituencies will be these illegals that eventually they will get to vote for the Democratic Party because they'll give them the stuff while they're screwing over you. So what is the justification for busing in these migrants? And what's the justification for basically not having a border? Well, our Department of Homeland Secretary, Alexander Mayorkas, who the guy should be, I mean, his eyebrows alone should be in a science experiment. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, listen to his answer. Listen to this ridiculously, um, you might say racist, you might say racist answer on why we should bring these people into the United States. What is the economic cost of your broken immigration system? Since there are uh, businesses around this country that are desperate for workers, there are desperate workers looking for jobs, in, desperate workers in foreign countries that are looking for jobs in the United States where they can earn money lawfully and send much needed remittances back home. What is the cost of a broken immigration system? That is the question that I am asked, and that is the question that I pose to Congress, because it is extraordinary. Oh, it is extraordinary, because basically what he's admitting there, he's saying, oh, there are people that want jobs in other countries, and our businesses here need workers, so yeah, we're just letting everybody in. So first off, he's in complete dereliction of his duty. Now, this idea 
that somehow we need people to take our jobs here. Now, I get it. There are certain jobs that a whole bunch of people don't want. That absolutely is true. When we bring in migrant workers and they're working in our fields and all of those things, it's not necessarily the most fun job. It's very, it's physical and it's tough and everything else. But we have an awful lot of unemployment, especially post-COVID. We have an awful lot of unemployment. So wouldn't you, wouldn't a sane society, if we were in a sane society, wouldn't we be encouraging people to take jobs that are tough? Not so that you have to be in the field every day for the rest of your life, but hopefully with some chance to make a little bit of money, keep that money within your family and your community. He's more interested seemingly in having illegals come here, work those jobs, and then send that money, the remittances back out of the country. It's so, it's so incredible. And the fact that they are telling it to us, they are telling us uh, right in front of our faces and we are just kind of letting it happen. But this is why the members of these communities are protesting Mayorkas and they're protesting their own Democrat officials in places like Chicago. But they've done this. Democrats and big government officials have done this forever, right? They have always sacrificed American citizens for illegal immigrants. They've just always done it. I am for legal immigration. And we can all talk about what it would look like to have a secure border and an honest process to have people come into this country. If you're watching this, most likely, unless your parents came on the Mayflower, uh, your, you know, your ancestors came on the Mayflower, uh, they came in legally probably through Ellis Island, like my great-great-grandparents did, and then they built a better life for their kids. But you can't just let everybody rampage through the country to take jobs that a bunch of people don't want, ruin cities, and then send the money out. It just doesn't work. Here's a little more from Thomas Sowell on just that. You're as dubious about the editorial position of the Wall Street Journal, mm -hmm. which is consistently oh. pro-immigrant, as you are dubious of the president of the United States, because your point is neither one of them really knows in enough detail yes. who these 11 million people are, whether they're doing net good or harm to the economy. So you, you, th that's in, you don't buy the Wall Street Journal argument that, no. on, that on net, surely they're doing more good than harm, more oh. economic good than harm. You don't buy that? No. And especially when they're trying to uh, talk about having people in agriculture. I mean, this is a country that has had a chronic surplus of agricultural output for decades on end, costing the taxpayers billions upon billions of dollars. But because the federal government subsidizes the yes. output, the surplus, right? Yes. All right, all right. Yeah, yes. And in fact, I, I, I think the federal government subsidizes the water that creates the surplus that it then subsidizes again. Uh, and I think I think that that uh, any discussion of of people in the abstract drives me crazy because there are no abstract people. A hundred years ago, people understood that, and so when there was a debate about immigration, there was a multi-volume set of tomes about the characteristics of the immigrants from various countries. Where where, where do they how do their kids do in school? They had what, the guts to be picky. Yes, they said we'll take some. Yes, but they better do us good. Yes. Okay. You know, it's funny what Sol's saying right there at the end. That's what uh, you would be construed or you would be told you are racist if you say that. Now, what? We're going to have some set of rules related to who can come into the country. We're going to see where they're from and what they believe and what their cultural norms are. And are they involved in criminal activity? And are they pushing fentanyl through the border and a whole bunch of other stuff? Will they assimilate properly in the United States? That sounds like crazy right wing America first MAGA stuff coming from one of our greatest intellectual minds in the, in the last uh, probably century. 
But guys, the question remains, so why are these illegal aliens being bussed into our cities and flooding our border right now? Like basically what happened in the last two weeks that, that now we are watching a complete zombie invasion of the United States? Uh, well, here's uh, the Washington Examiner explaining what happened. We had Title 42 expire on May 12th, just a couple of days ago, and here's what's going on. It's the stroke of midnight on East Coast, and it's official, the Title 42 policy that was brought on under President Trump has now been canceled under President Biden. And what that means is migrants now who cross the border illegally will no longer be immediately expelled back to Mexico, back to their home countries. It's a huge moment for the United States as 2.8 million people have been expelled back to their countries under this policy. It opens up border patrol to a really catastrophic situation should the more than 10,000 people who have been crossing daily continue to come, continue to rise in numbers, and place more of a burden on processing centers. The Biden administration is prioritizing quick releases into the United States. Seeking asylum is not required. And right now, we're bracing for a surge of asylum seekers at the ports of entry as well as between those ports of entry. Guys, I just can't be clear. Like, the Democrats are trying to destroy the country, and if you don't see it, they're trying to overrun the country. Title 42 was put in during COVID so that we couldn't, we wouldn't have this mass immigration, illegal immigration of all of these people from all over the world coming through our border and bringing COVID in. So we, if they tried, they, Title 42 pushed them out real quick. Title 42 expires a couple of days ago. And now all of these people also knowing that, listen, if you just have to be in another country and see a video of Mayorkas. And Mayorkas is like, boy, we do need more people because people in America don't want to do those jobs. And we would like people to do those jobs. And you can send your money back home. And now all of these people are rampaging through. Well, how many? We've got some info from the Washington Post. Illegal border crossings have topped 10,000 per day this week, the highest levels ever. And we've got a little bit more from the U.S. Border Patrol total encounters. Uh, as you can see here, 2017, about 310,000, 2018, 400,000, 2019, 860,000, 2020, 405,000. So then it went down, right? It goes down there because of Title 42 and COVID and everything else. Then it blows up in 21, 1.6 million, 22, 2.2 .2 million, and 2023, as of today, over a million. Now, I also want to connect that to something else because you might be watching and you might be going, oh, but you know, America, we're big and we can let everybody in and we're nice and we're not racist. The problem, of course, is that what these people do, some of them are good people, obviously, but some of them are not. And that's actually not the issue. The issue is you either are a nation state and you have borders and you say, these are our citizens and these are not. And there's a process to become a citizen if that's what the nation wants. Uh, and some nations don't want it. And that's OK, too. You should decide what you want in the nation that you live in. Um, but we can either have a nation or not. The problem, though, is it's not just good people coming in. It's people that are often bringing drugs and crime and a whole bunch more. Uh, here's some info on the number of fentanyl deaths from 99 to 2021. In 99 to 2013, it was usually between one and 3,000 people dying per year because of fentanyl. 2017, it was 28,000. 2019, it was 37,000. 2020, 56,000. 2021, 70,000. And it is increasing now. So there is a connection between illegals bringing drugs in and then the drugs that are killing people on our streets. And if you 
don't want to take my word for it, might I recommend that you book a ticket to San Francisco, walk around Market Street, and then pray you don't get killed. So the, the question here really is, does the left in America, do the Democrats see this as a problem? And the answer obviously is no, right? Biden, Mayorkas, Corinne Jean-Pierre, AOC, they want our borders open. They also will tell you that we are a racist country and a patriarchal evil country. Apparently they want everyone to share in the horrors. But they are more concerned about something else, right? Instead of being concerned about the borders, what are they really concerned about these days? Well, you, <laughs> you guessed it. Uh, they are concerned about white supremacy because they need racial division as, as, as a wedge, basically, as a weapon to advance their political agenda because I don't think it has any support. So you have to keep people really, really scared, in this case of white people. Uh, here is Mayorkas once again. This guy, it never stops with this guy uh, talking about violence in America, and you're not going to believe who he's the most scared of. In the terrorism context, domestic violent extremism is uh, our greatest threat uh, right now. Individuals are driven to violence because of ideologies of hate, uh, anti-government sentiments, false narratives, personal grievances, and the like. And Regrettably, we have seen a rise in white supremacy. First off, I want to be very clear about one thing. I have a lot of anti-government sentiment. I am not a terrorist and I am not calling to overthrow the government, but these buffoons, you should be resentful uh, and sort of angry at these people. You can't take the law into your own hands, uh, but it is that guy's job to make sure we have a border and he's actually making sure we don't have a border. He should, I don't know if it's impeached. What do you do with these people? You Like, I don't even know what the technical term is, but the guy should be given the boot. I think that would be the technical term. Anyway, it continues because it's not just Mayorkas that's worried about these white people. And notice they never name the white people. Can't we get a name of a white, like who's a white supremacist these days? You got your David Duke. He's the old go-to. Uh, there's that frog kid, whatever his name is. Who else? Dave Rubin. I mean, there's, there's a couple of them, but I'm saying it's not Peterson, whatever. There's not a ton of them. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, Joe Biden, uh, this is the elderly man pretending to be president. He has dementia. Everyone knows it. They're throwing him up. Uh, for 24, which is absolutely completely ridiculous. He gave the commencement speech at Howard University. It is a historically black college and uh, stoked the racial flames. Enjoy. To stand up against the poison of white supremacy as I did my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. I'm not saying this because I'm at a black HBCU. I say it wherever I go. Oh, shut up, you old windbag. That's exactly why you're saying it, because you're a pandering old buffoon. And what's funny is that line was obviously not written on the speech, right? Like, that's the part. I'm not saying this because I'm in a room with a whole bunch of black people, but screw whitey. Yeah, okay, yeah, we love it. We love it. Oh, it's just terrible. Guys, the thing is, it's not just the government doing this. This is the entire machine doing it. Uh, you may remember that there was, you know, I didn't do much news for the two weeks that I was away, but there was a, another mass shooting, as there often is in the United States in these days. And it's not because of guns. It's because of mental health and drugs and polarization and a whole bunch more. But let's set that aside for a moment. There was a mass shooting in Texas. And I want to show you a little bit about how the media 
framed it. Uh, this is from D.C. Drano. Uh, he's retweeting a Washington Post article. So here's what the Washington Post says first. The gunman who opened fire on an outlet mall in Dallas suburb Saturday, killing at least eight people, was a man in his early 30s who may have had white supremacist or neo-Nazi beliefs, people familiar with the investigation said Sunday. Now, D.C. Drano uh, retweeted it, and he said, they're calling the Texas shooter a white supremacist because they don't want Americans to know about violent drug cartels running human trafficking, trafficking operations on our border, which, of course, that's ultimately what this had to do. Ashley St. Clair also chimed in on this. Same shooting. The media tried to say that the mass shooter in Texas was a neo-Nazi motivated by white supremacy. Nothing screams white supremacist neo-Nazi quite like a Mexican gang name, a Mexican gang member named Mauricio Garcia. So yes, unless you're telling me that Mauricio Garcia, the Mexican gang member, was actually a secret white supremacist, and that's why he did this. He shot these people in Dallas because in the name of whiteness, you see the point. They lie to us about anything that they can do to keep you upset about race to keep you upset about bigotry, you know, perceived bigotry and homophobia and transphobia. That's what they do. Because if a whole bunch of us lined up to them, lined up together against them and said, you know, this shit ain't working anymore. Uh, and we love this country. And there are some basic truths that we all know that are self-evident. And we just don't need you people anymore. And we're not gonna listen to you as you try to destroy our communities. Uh, well, they'd quickly be out of a job and that would be a problem for them. So guys, I think you get it. In essence, by stoking this false racial division amongst Americans, they're doing everything to not unify us, right? They're going out of their way to not unify us. And if you couple that with their actions on immigration, we're losing the America that we once knew, right? It is as simple as that. That, when I talk about this culture thing, like if you believe that America is fundamentally evil and you want open borders and you want to call everyone racist and all those things, then what does tie us together? And how long will we have an America that was pretty damn good for 250 years? Well, Thomas Sowell also has chimed in on that. If you let everybody in, you might change the makeup of America in ways that uh, may not be so great. Uh, it's not at all clear that if you were to throw the borders wide open, let anyone come who wants to, that this would still be the same country 50 years from now. And so, uh, in a sense, you can't let everybody come to America because if everybody came to America, it wouldn't be America anymore. If everyone came to America, it wouldn't be America anymore. Now, is Thomas Sowell a white supremacist? Uh, is the black mother who we showed you a few minutes ago who is upset that they are bringing in illegal immigrants into her neighborhood that are taking resources away from her and her family, is she a white supremacist, right? But that's literally what Mayorkas and Joe Biden would have you believe. When people stand up for their country and their community and their family, they are labeled a white supremacist. And the cool thing about white supremacy these days, you don't even be, have to be white to be a white supremacist. Pretty good. Uh, so what do we do? So how do we save America? Well, I think having some level of a national identity, some level of unity through, through the idea of nationalism, not white nationalism, but nationalism meaning pride in America, pride in our founding documents, pride in freedom and individual choice and all of those things, that would be good. How about tightening immigration, tightening our border and things of that, uh, that, thing, things of that nature? 
right? How about that? That might be good. And you might be listening to this going, but, but nationalism, it sounds scary. So what is nationalism? Guys, it's, it's very easy to describe. I've done several shows on this. Nationalism is where a nation, so we are a nation, where we will take pride and action in preserving and strengthening our cultural and national heritage. And ours in the United States, you know, having just come back from Israel, they have a very obvious national identity, right? It is mostly a Jewish country, 80% Jewish country. So you can, there's, a, there's, a, uh, there's an obvious history and, and traditions and things that make sense there. Then I went to Hungary. They're largely a Christian nation and they wanna protect their borders and their heritage, so it's obvious. Ours is a little more complex because we are that melting pot. And that's what the left and all the people into identity politics, that's what they're using against. They're using our strength that everyone came here putting aside the prejudices of the past. Everyone came here because our streets were paved with gold, because there was a chance in America and you could pursue happiness. And we're so crazy in America that we put it in our founding documents, pursue it. We can't guarantee it, but you may as well try when you're here and it largely has absolutely worked. So when you say nationalism, a certain set of people are gonna call you a racist and a bigot and far right and everything else. Um, but the point is, if you're a nationalist country, you will also take care of your minorities, which is why there are 20% Christians and Arabs in Israel and they have the exact same voting rights as every Jew there. Hungary has the largest Jewish population in, in Europe right now as Jews are fleeing France and fleeing the UK because they've imported all sorts of other people from Africa and the Middle East who don't have Western values. They're exporting the Jewish people who have been there. Th these things are happening right now. They're a little scary to talk about, but they're happening right now. Uh, Yoram Hazoni, who I've had on the show, he is the founder of the National Conservatism Movement. Uh, he explains that there is virtue actually in defending your borders and defending your national identity. Here's a little snippet. America will be able to move back towards being a tolerant country when there is an alternative that is nationalist, that is tolerant because it's nationalist and cares about America and cares that other nations should be allowed to care about themselves and do things their own way as well. I really hope I'm making the point clear here, guys. If we care about America first, and I know that's a scary phrase again to some, what he's saying there is, hey, if America, if you care about America, you care about your values, your culture, your founding documents and all of those things, you'll find the spaces to be more inclusive of people who think a little bit differently, right? That's, that's the way you do it. But we can't do it the way that we're doing it right now, which is everyone come in and also we're really flawed and we're horrible and we're gonna constantly be destroying our economy while giving money to some people and putting criminals in these communities and all these things. This whole thing does not work. So what Yoram is saying is we have to return to the idea that this thing is good. There is a reason for the United States, the same way he's saying every nation should have that, right? And, and I believe that as well. Every nation on earth, if you are a nation, on planet Earth, this pale blue dot floating in the big vacuum. If you are a, a nation, you have every right to defend whatever it is your nation agrees upon as the cultural norms. And that's what we have to figure out. Uh, you may have heard of this Jordan Peterson guy. He's talked a bit about nationalism lately. I thought this was quite good. Well, nationalism is easier to understand, I think, because you need an identity and it has to be collective because human beings live collectively. It's the fact that we share an identity, that we can all sit here in this room peacefully, because the identity is partly 
who you think you are, but it's also partly what you expect from the world and from others. And because you have an identity that's similar to you, you can sit together peacefully because you expect and desire something and so do you and it's the same thing and that's what it means to have a shared culture you have to defend that culture and it has to be of sufficient let's say tightness or magnitude so that it makes sense for you to belong to it it's not so diverse and chaotic that it means nothing and i think that part of the reason why we're seeing a return to nationalism is because the european identity is so amorphous that people can't establish a relationship with it. And that's not a good thing. So much there. Diverse and chaotic that it means nothing. Doesn't that kind of feel like what we are in right now? They're constantly telling us diversity is our strength. But diversity is not our strength. It can be a strength within a system that makes sense. But when diversity for the sake of diversity, it's like progress for the sake of progress. No, sometimes you progress to a point, you go, boy, we actually accomplished something. This is pretty good. Let's set up shop. We don't have to keep going, right? Let's build a nation. How about that? Pretty fertile ground over here. And we fought all the bad ideas of the past to get here. You don't, you don't just go and go and go because eventually there's a cliff. And that's what the progressives and the left and the Democrats, I'm sorry, that's what they want to take us down too. So Europe, for the most part, is really struggling with this right now. They let in all of these migrants, all of these illegal immigrants. They did it out of weird guilt, right? Germany has a huge amount of guilt because of World War II. So they let in millions of people and now their social systems are collapsing. They're having all sorts of cultural divide. Uh, just go and look at the videos of the streets of Paris with the amount of Africans they brought in. This is not about skin color. It is about culture and identity and values. And if a society will not protect those things, uh, then you end up with that amorphous nothingness. This, what do I always say? This slow descent to hell. That's what we're in right now because we, we don't have enough people that will just say no more. Now, I think we have it at, at some state levels, right? I don't even have to, I'm not even gonna say uh, the state that I live in, in this show that starts with an F. I'm not even gonna say it because I think I can do a whole show without saying it. But it is, there are places where it kind of works, where we're returning to law and order and borders and, and policies that make sense and defense of community and defense of parents who don't want their children to be in, indoctrinated into things and much more. But now let's loop this back to the, to the beginning with Oprah and fatherhood. Uh, well, it's not just nationalism that will save us, right? It's not just the idea that we will sort of all step up together and build a country that's gonna make sense and defend those things. First, what you need are good people to do it, right? Like it's a bottom-up approach. You need enough people, as Jordan would say, to stand up straight with their shoulders back. You might need a bunch of men to do it. You might need a bunch of strong fathers to do it. Uh, this image, this goes around the internet all the time. I saw this one from Tim Kennedy, uh, but I think it really captures sort of what's going on here. Hard times create strong men, right? When, when, you're, when you have to fight for freedom, then you get strong men, right? To hoist that flag in enemy territory. Strong men then create good times. Boy, you can build skyscrapers, you can build extraordinary cities, you can do absolutely incredible things. But then, good times create weak men, right? Because it starts getting so good, you get fat on the goodness, you don't remember what you were fighting in the first place. And then weak men create hard times. Uh, you are here, right? San Francisco is a great example of this, right? It was so good, Silicon Valley, it was so awesome. And then they just, they became weak. They imported all of the idiotic ideas that we should have let go 
And now, as I said earlier, it is a nightmarish zombie apocalypse there. But let's also go back to the beginning. Here's a little bit more uh, from Larry Elder, sort of in response to that, to that Oprah piece, just about why fathers and decent men in a society are actually important. Tupac Shakur, the late rapper, once said, I know for a fact that had I had a father, I'd have some discipline, I'd have more confidence. He admitted he began running with gangs because he wanted the things a father gives to a child, especially to a boy, structure and protection. Your mother cannot calm you down the way a man can, Shakur said. You need a man to teach you how to be a man. Yeah, I think you got it. Guys, maybe I'm feeling this a little bit more having been on the road for two weeks and then seeing my two kids and realizing just as I've consistently realized over these last eight months how important it is to set up a world that will be strong for them so they don't have to go through the hard times. What if, what if they could go through good times and still become strong men? Like that would be pretty good and I actually do think that that's possible. Uh, but the point is we need strong men in society. You, ju you just do, you just do. Little more from JP. It's okay to be a man. It's not okay. It's necessary. What the hell are we going to do without men? You look around the city here, you see all these buildings go up. These men, they're doing impossible things. They're under the streets, working on the sewers. They're up on the power lines in the storms and the, and the rain. They're keeping this impossible infrastructure functioning. This thing that works in a miraculous manner. They work themselves to death. And often, literally, the gratitude for that is sorely lacking, especially among the people who should be most grateful. You see university professors, especially of the social justice bent, they take everything they have for granted, failing to understand entirely that there's a massive infrastructure of unbelievably hardworking, solidly laboring, working-class men breaking themselves in half on a regular basis, making sure that everything that always breaks works. I think something just hit me. I know we've played that clip before, but what I'm interested in right now is, I think you know this, I'm interested in finding solutions to these problems, but what I'm interested in is finding the good people who are going to be part of that, right? It doesn't, I'm not just talking about political leaders, but it's you and your community, if you're coaching a baseball team, or if you're just the father who's willing to stand up against the school board that's indoctrinating your kids or anything else. Like we all gotta start finding each other, right? I think that's what the beauty of the internet's been. It's what the good part of social media has been that we've been able to find each other and you know, sure they can silence us and they can take down posts and all of those things. Um, but I think if we can find enough serious people right now, uh, we really can fix this whole thing. And just to go back to some of the unserious people, if you were to listen to Joe Biden, who's boogeyman scaring the hell out of a bunch of people at a black college, you know, white supremacists are coming to get you. And everybody's like, yay, white supremacists are coming to get us. They're the scariest. It's insane. Or Mayorkas, like Mayorkas. I don't know if he has kids, but what would Mayorkas do if, if what if illegal immigrants showed up at his house? Would he not let them in? He'd have to let them in. I mean, he's tolerant and he's diverse and everything else. You know what the better alternative would be? It would be work hard so you can live in a good community and maybe you could build a fence at your house. I'm pretty sure Mayorkas probably has a fence, probably locks his door at night. So all of these people are complete hypocrites and everything else. We must keep exposing them. We must keep finding the people that are fighting properly and everything else. And that really is the point because then the political stuff 
will actually start making sense again. But right now we are in exactly what Jordan described in the, in the, not the last clip, but the one before we are in this just amorphous, none of it makes sense. Oh yes, boys or girls and anyone can come to our horribly racist country and all of those things. None of it makes sense, but I think enough, enough of us at this point have just had enough and we're just gonna have to figure out how to fix this thing. And I just believe that we can. I just believe that we can. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have not subscribed already, please do at rumble.com slash Ruben Report. If you'd like to join us for a post-game show, uh, you can do that right now at rubenreport.locals.com. By the way, I should have mentioned it up top, but yesterday was a huge day for uh, Rumble. We announced the acquisition of the call-in app, which is a really, really great way of doing live audio call-in shows. So that's something that I'm gonna be incorporating into our post-game show, where I will take audio calls like old school, AM radio. Uh, and I, that way, instead of just reading questions from you guys, I can actually have conversations with you guys. We'll do that for subscribers only. So we're going to be integrating the call-in features into the Locals app and into Rumble, which is really awesome. Uh, David Sachs, who you guys know has been on the show many times, he was the founder of Call-In. Uh, so with the acquisition, he is now on the board of Rumble. He is an incredible fighter for free speech. Uh, also, Rumble got the number one tr Twitch streamer in the world, Kai Sinat. He is doing an exclusive show on Rumble. I don't know what's going on over there on Twitch. They're playing pole position or something? Something like that, right? Uh, but it's uh, it's very cool. Good things are happening over there. The, the alternative pipes of the internet are being built. Anyway, hope you enjoy the show. I felt a little sharper today. I will continue to sharpen the knife throughout the week. Uh, we got a cold close for you, and I'll see everybody else uh, in about 47 seconds. Ciao. Title 42 tonight. The U.S. government is expecting what is being called an unprecedented surge of migrants at the southern border. Uh, given the conditions there right now, would you consider that a humanitarian crisis? Absolutely. You know, first thing you have to understand is the United States is a country based off immigrants. Not allowing immigrants into our country goes against what our founding fathers stood for, you know? It goes against the basic guidelines of what the American dream is. I get a population control issue is a big thing and not an influx, risk of jobs, but most of these migrants and immigrants are gonna go work in agricultural fields. Most people are not, you and me, do you wanna go out into a field and pick fruits and vegetables? Probably not. Are we going to? Probably not. So with that surge coming in, you know, they're going to be coming uh, bus to cities like Washington, D.C., to Chicago, to Philadelphia. In Chicago this week, we've seen police stations are the only places left for these migrants to stay. There's, there has been suggestion that citizens of these cities, of Chicago, of Washington, D.C., kind of allow and, and bring these migrants into their home. Is that something you would be willing to do? If I needed to, yeah. If someone, if someone approached me and said, hey, I need a place to stay, I would give them... I give them the shirt off my back. Give them the shirt off your back? Yeah. So you would also be willing then to give them financial support? You know, we were at Union Station uh, when the migrants came in, and there were people offering financial assistance, giving them paying for bus tickets to get to their destination. A lot of them have family in the U.S. Is that something you would also be willing to do? Absolutely. Shirt off your back? Yes. Thank you for your time.
Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.